Welcome back to Book Talks Podcast. This is Kayla. And Marissa. And this week we read a historical fiction book, which is something we don't really do often. Um, We read The Paris Apartment by Kelly Bowen. So this week, NBC actually sent us The Paris Apartment for us to review and look at. And I was skeptical because it was it was historical fiction and my track record with historical fiction was not super great. <laughs> Atomic love. But anyway, this one ended up being really good. So thank you to Megan Beatty Communications, NBC. I think you can find them at NBC Books on Instagram. No, I liked it too. In the beginning, it was a slow build. Once I was in the story, I didn't want to put it down because it just kind of snowballed into things. Yeah. So we've been doing Fantasy April, and I think that was part of why I didn't want to read this book, because we've been in our little groove. And so every time I went to pick this book up, I just kind of kept putting it off because I have Akatar and Throne of Glass to read. But um, once we were in it, I agree with you. It was a slow build, but the last, for me, I think it was the last 150 to 200 pages. I read it in one sitting because at that point, I was captivated. It was a slow build. The first seven chapters for me, I'm not going to lie, I had a hard time getting into. But I think I told you this. I was confused on the characters, (laughs) which I feel like I always am. It makes me sound so dumb on every podcast. I'm like, the beginning of the book confused me because there were all these characters. But for whatever reason, I have a hard time with the beginnings of books. But I feel like you're so detail-oriented sometimes. You, like, get lost in the details. I think I do. I definitely think I do. But around chapter six or seven, I actually made a list of characters and wrote down what I knew about each one. And then from there forward, I was like, good. I knew what was going on. I knew who everyone was. I was so confused about who Sophie was. The book is told in like four different perspectives, kind of. You have Aurelia's. Is that how you say it? Leah's? Yeah, I I just called her Leah. Leah. She calls herself Leah. Let's call her Leah. But you have Leah and Gabriel in the present, and then you have Estelle and Sophie in the past. I did not know who Sophie was, and so I thought maybe Sophie was Estelle. Like, maybe Estelle was a spy and Sophie was her code name. And I was getting so confused. (laughs) They're different people in case anyone picked up the book and is wondering. I didn't know how Sophie tied into it because I knew, like, Estelle and Leah were grandmother and granddaughter. I knew... Gabriel and Sophia tied in too. I just didn't understand how, like, the little bit we got of Sophia in the beginning was just, like, her and this guy, and, like, he died, so, like, how is they related to Gabriel? Like, she couldn't have kids without it. Like, I was a little confused. Yeah. Thankfully, when I did my character list, I did pick up that Gabriel was related to Sophie because both their last names were Seymour. Otherwise, I think... If I kept reading without that, having picked up on that, I think I would have been even more confused. But yeah, they were all connected. And so once I got my character list, it came together really well. And the way they were all connected made sense in the end. No, I really liked the book. I, I was shocked I liked it so much. World War II was my favorite subject to learn in school. Mm-hmm. I do wish I read this like closer to when I learned about World, world War II in high school. Because it's been, I think, like seven years since I've learned it. And there's only like a lot of dates that I forgot that were important. So it made me very anxious, this book, because I was like, they're just trapped in this apartment. Like, I felt so bad for like, everybody, especially the little girl in the apartment. So I kept on, like, looking at date stuff. So I was like, how long does this girl have to wait in the apartment? Like, how many more years do we have? But Yeah. No, I thought this book did a good job of making me feel 
trapped and anxious because obviously we all know about World War II and like you learned about it in high school. My dad's a huge World War II history buff, so I've seen lots of movies and he reads lots of books. And so like you know what happened and you know that the Jews were put in concentration camps. But this book, even though it's just a 300, 400 page book, I felt so trapped and anxious for the little girl, Aviva. You know, the war took place over the course of a couple of years, four or five years, however many years. And you don't think about what it would have been like to hide for that amount of time and to worry about your life and that at any given second someone could come take you away and how you have to pretend to, you know, not be Jewish or hide because you are Jewish or whatever. And I felt so kind of sick reading this book when when they were talking about Estelle's parts because I just was worried every second that Estelle was going to get captured the way Jerome eventually got captured. I was you know? so nervous for her. I just felt like hiding in a closet in like a dark corner and just like never coming out for like many years. <laughs> yeah. Um, it puts but... it in perspective because like this past year we've been hiding inside from a virus and we were all like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Just thinking World War II, like you weren't even allowed to go like in your backyard. You had to literally hide in a closet, in a, in a house that wasn't yours. It made me put things in perspective in current day. It made me learn more about, because I didn't know about, like, the art stealing and all that kind of stuff in World War II, because we don't really learn that about in the history books, at least here in America. Yeah. Like, I didn't. I learned a lot in this book, and it just, like, made me very anxious. Like, I wanted to go hide in, in a closet from the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Which you, your Italian roots, and I'm, I don't know what I am, actually. Well, my last name is very German, so my mom's full Italian, and my dad's a mix of German and Irish, so I'm basically a mutt. I guess I would have been safe, but I'm also, like, I have dark hair, dark eyes. Like, I guess Italians are dark hair, dark eyes. How do you tell? Like, I just, it blows my mind that, like, that was a criteria in all of this, was, like, dark hair, dark eyes. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it started with, rounding up people who went to synagogues. And then I think, too, like, this book mentions women walking around with the Star of David on. And by the time, I mean, by the middle of the war, at least, because, you know, this book taught me this, too, kind of, everyone had their papers to identify them. I know this is a terrible comparison, but do you remember in Harry Potter when they're trying to identify mudbloods and... They capture Harry and Hermione, and she jinxes his face so he doesn't look like Harry, and they all give names of people like, oh, I'm half muggle, half witch, you know, and they're like, okay, well, you're half and half, so you're okay, I guess. I mean, it's kind of like that. They all had to, in World War II, carry their papers on them to show what they were, and if you were Jewish, you were not safe. I really didn't realize the Italians were part of the bad side. Yeah, because they were led by Mussolini, and he was BFFs with Hitler. BFFs with Hitler. <laughs> Something like that. And we haven't given a synopsis, but in case anyone's wondering, this book's about World War II. Okay, I so I was looking at the back of this book as far as the synopsis goes, and it follows two timelines. I'll talk about quickly the 2017 timeline, which was Leah inherits a Paris apartment, hence the name Paris apartment. 
and she discovers her grandma's hidden secrets, including a treasure trove of famous art and kosher gowns. Uh, but one obscure painting leads her to a guy named Gabriel Seymour, who's a highly respected art restorer, and together they attempt to uncover the truths concealed within the apartment walls, because basically all the art they discovered is probably what they believe to be stolen art from World War II, which I didn't really know much about stolen art from World War II. Did you? I didn't know that was a thing. Was it that the Nazis were burning Jewish art? So I still am not really sure what what was going on with that. So from my understanding of what they were saying is that whenever they would take a Jewish family out of their home, they would basically raid it and like steal art that was worth something out of their apartment for themselves, A, and then B, I think they would trash like very uh, exotic artists and I think maybe Jewish artists as well. Yeah. So I think it was a combination of the two, but I think she hid their family art, I think, to either either protect it so it wasn't stolen or mm-hmm. protect it from being destroyed. Right. So that that's happening in 2017. Leah and Gabriel are kind of looking into this art and trying to uncover these secrets that she didn't know her grandma had. You know, she didn't even know her grandma had this Paris apartment until she inherited it. So that leads into Estelle and the past timeline, which is 1942. Basically, Estelle, which is Leah's grandmother, so 1942. So when the Nazis come for her friends, she actually has a next-door neighbor Jewish family who is, like, her closest family friend. And when the Nazis come for her friends, Estelle doesn't hesitate to help those she holds dear no matter the cost, including their child, Aviva who she hides in her closet. As she works against the forces intent on destroying her loved ones, she can't know that her actions will have ramifications for generations to come. So these two stories are set 75 years apart. And what the back of this book doesn't mention is Sophie, who's another big piece of this story. But Sophie is also set in the past timeline, and she is Polish. And her husband gets killed in the first bombings of Poland. And she struggles to find her place as a woman with very intelligent talents, I guess you could say. And she also looks to help the allied forces. And so her and Estelle, their paths end up crossing and they work together to help the allied forces discover some secrets. Okay, I guess we should probably start from the beginning, our thoughts. I was really sad when Sophie's husband died, like on their wedding night, the day after I got that broke my heart she described like doesn't fit the like generational norms of women during that age so like basically grows up thinking like she's never gonna get married she's never gonna find love yada yada and then she meets this guy who like adores her they get married she doesn't even tell her family like her her brother has no idea she's married later on when he thinks she's dead or she is dead like he's like oh like sophie never got married like she never loved anybody no one knows and then he just dies like that just that would break my heart. That would break me. I didn't know where this story was going. And I did not realize that her husband, Piotr, or however you say his name, would live and die in the exact same chapter. And so when we started reading about him, Kayla, I marked all these cute quotes and was like, oh, he's so perfect. I love Piotr. And then by the end of the chapter, he's literally dead. And I was like, what the hell? Why? <laughs> she 
made us fall in love for nothing. No, it was because like she had a fight for something and she fought for him when he came yeah. back at the end when she was being interrogated and tortured Aww. and was dying. And he's just like in the corner was like, I wasn't going to cry because, you know, I don't have emotions that much. But <laughs> I was tearing up. I I was feeling a lot in that scene. It definitely pulled on some hard strings. Not enough to make me cry, but. Uh... And you, you only cry when the book is over and you know there's nothing else to read. You don't actually cry when people die and like fall in love. So you cry for specific reasons. Also, I was telling my grandma about the plot of this book because you're going somewhere. And I was like, why couldn't you live this cool life and you just have this secret apartment for me to figure out some mysteries? She's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you said you wanted to leave your grandchild an apartment with lots of clues, right? Yeah, I don't want to live a life where I'm hiding American airplane people in my closet. But I want to, like, leave a mystery where I, like, leave all these riddles and my grandkids have to go on these, like, scavenger hunts together mm. but this book inspired that desire because i just feel like it'd be really cool like i hope my grandma leaves me a mystery when she goes like <laughs> makes me go to europe and then i miraculously fall in love with an art dealer like sign me up yeah. like coincidentally I mean... she meets an art dealer whose grandmother also stayed in that exact same apartment and then they just fall in love it just warms my heart that's definitely fate i'm going to do that one day i'm gonna leave my grandkids on a mission in memory of me. Of all the point of views we've read, because this is written in Gabriel's and Leah's and Estelle's and Sophie, whose point of view did you like the best? I liked Estelle's. Estelle was my favorite character in the book. I disagreed with Sophie on her morals, so I didn't like Sophie very much. What did you disagree with her about? I actually marked down just one quote from it that was what turned me off. On page 106, when she's talking to the, I don't know if he's a General Reed or whatever he is, Lieutenant Reed maybe, but when he's recruiting her to be a spy and he's asking her, you know, how she got to London or Paris or wherever, it was when she said, you know, it was depending on people for generosity or stealing from them when you couldn't. It was accepting that desperation always trumped morals. And at that point, I was like, okay, Sophie, I'm no longer a fan of yours. Because I think the reason you have morals is that in the face of anything, you your morals will trump the negative things surrounding you. And I get this was completely different. I'm not saying, like, I wouldn't have done the exact same thing. But I don't like that attitude of being like, oh, well, my morals only matter as long as it fits the narrative right now. So I just didn't agree with her on that. And I just kind of got turned off to her. But Estelle I really liked. Estelle I thought was a total badass, hiding people, helping people. She was so smart, um, just knew what to do and cared about Jerome. I loved her and Jerome. When he got captured, I was like, oh my gosh, no. So you know how I think Leah referenced that her grandfather died because he was held at war? Do you think her grandfather Um, was Jerome? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because they said something towards the end about Estelle had married someone who had been a prisoner and then was released and then, you know, died later. And then Estelle at the end is holding the list of names and Jerome's name was only in the first two categories, which meant he was still alive. So I was like, oh, she's going to go find her. her I wish that was given to us. Like, I, I wanted to see the reunion. Yeah, like more explicitly stated as opposed to just being kind of like a dot, dot, dot. 
I wanted to, to see them run and hug into each other's arms. I'm shocked he was kept alive considering what they did to Sophie. You do have to admit that Sophie was a badass, though. Yeah, um, yeah, she was a for badass. For her spy skills. I do think she was very bold and a little too bold when it came to that American pilot in the park. I mean, I know, like, Jerome wanted them to get the pilot in, but... I don't know. I feel like she put a big target on her back. Also, like, if she didn't help the American pilot, she wouldn't have got caught in the hotel. Right. So I think she put her mission in risk to help the guy, which I guess is, like, an admiral quality to most. She was fearless in a way that was, like, almost dangerous. And I think it was brought up in her final meeting on the spy thing where she was like, I'm scared you don't have any fears because that's going to lead for you to make careless decisions. And I feel like mm-hmm. that was an example of her being careless with, careless with her life. Yeah. She worked for months to do this important mission where she was like hand selected, like she had the look to go into the Ritz. If that didn't happen, like her and Estelle probably could just prance into the Ritz like they were some pretty girls and they would have never gotten in trouble. But because she put a big target on her back with that one police officer and to help the one American pilot. But I understand why she did it. I understand the whole point of the story and like everything happens for a reason in the damn book. But right. I just feel like she was reckless to a point where it was a danger for herself and Estelle. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought that was really reckless, too. Maybe that's part of why I didn't like her, because she was so focused on getting revenge, right? And she kept having to remind herself that, you know, I need to not, you know, attack these Nazis right here, right now. She kept having to remind herself of that, which was good. But then with the American pilot throwing herself in the way and causing a big scene and drawing attention... And she was not, at that point, thinking about her end mission. She was just thinking about the here and now, which, again, was my problem with the quote about the morals, the morals only being important when it suited her. So I felt like she kind of wasn't long-term goal-oriented. She was very short-term goal-oriented. And I get, like, yeah, it's great that you wanted to save the one airman, but what about everyone you could save if you just focused on your mission? So I I agree with you on that, though she was still a badass. Whenever that partner was being this just smart ass, like, <laughs> I don't need you, you're a woman, like, all that kind of stuff. And then he just goes out and gets himself killed because he was an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm happy to see a man die, but I was very happy that like, it was his own fault. Like, he just jumped out early because he didn't right. listen to her. I thought that there was going to be a whole, like, love story there where, like, he initially discounts her and then she shows, she proves her worth and then he's like, oh, I misjudged her. And they, like, hate to love, you know, one of those relationships. And then he throws himself out the plane and dies. And I was like, nope, not a love story there. We just love our hate to love love stories. We do. I really did enjoy Gabriel and Leah's part because I did like them falling in love. Although it was very fast. Like he was in her apartment on the first day and he was like making all these little comments. Oh, I don't want to leave. Like, oh, we're in this together. I couldn't picture meeting a stranger, like a guy who's coming to my apartment to look at my artwork and be like, well, we're in this together. Yeah, he kept saying, well, you're not doing this alone. And I was like, Gabriel, you just met her. I couldn't help but think that they were just like innocent and cute and I really did enjoy yeah. them. I like how she pushed him for his artwork and whenever he kissed her and then she's like, is this where you hide your artwork up here? And then he totally snapped and was like, well, that was a mistake. I was like, damn. Yeah, it was kind of weird reaction, a little over the top dramatic, but her response was equally as dramatic where she was like, hmm, well, I guess I'm just going to catch the first plane out then by Gabriel. And I was like, oh, they're well matched for each other. 
They're like hot and cold, man. They're going from zero to a hundred, then they cut himself off, and they're back to a hundred and dancing. I I would have liked their story more if we'd gotten more of it. I felt like we had way more Estelle and Sophie chapters, and the Gabriel and Leah chapters were very few. And I was kind of sad about that because I would have liked to see their love story drawn out a little bit. No, I wanted more too. I think I told you that they were my favorite part. I feel like I like probably like I would say twenty five percent of the book, which was fine, but theirs were more stressful than the love story between Lee and Gabriel. I think that's why I liked it so much because I was so stressed out. Okay, I felt so bad when Leah was is like mad at her grandmother, thinking she's like a Nazi supporter because she looks at her grandmother's apartment and sees like this Nazi propaganda, all this stuff, and mm-hmm. her granddaughter is so mad at her and like wants to get rid of the entire apartment, pretty much. And then like yeah. at the same time, we're listening to a stealth point of view of her like hating the Nazis and inside to help. And I'm just like, just give your grandmother a chance. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, she was pretty quick to judge. She was like, well, she has Nazi propaganda, therefore she is a Nazi. I was like, wait, hold up just a second. Even Gabriel was like, give your grandma the benefit of the doubt. Like, geez. She spends every time with her grandmother. Like, I feel like you kind of judge a person then. Yeah, she just, like, jumped to the worst conclusion. I was like, chill. You don't know. Yeah. It, like, made me mad at her. She's very well, dramatic. I, she, she was a little dramatic. But I think that's the uh, passion in her. You know, her and Gabriel were very passionate with their hot and cold love. And they're both kind of artists deep down. But she was like a scientist. Yeah, but then she knew all this stuff about art. She kept being, oh, well, I know nothing about art, Gabriel. That's why I hired you. And then she'd be like, oh, but I know that this is a famous painting. And I feel so much when I look at this painting. And I know all of this. And I was like, okay, Leah, pick a side. Who are you? (laughs) Uh, I was curious who you think the person on the front cover of this book is. I think it's Estelle. No, I don't know. I pictured Estelle being more glamorous when i first saw this i assumed this would be the daughter who inherited the paris apartment so i figured it was leah and then either sophie or estelle at one point is described putting on a green dress and i can't remember which one so i wasn't sure who this person was supposed to be on the front cover um i don't really like the dress so i think it's probably past tense because that dress is definitely just not in style even in 2017 that wouldn't be in style and that hairstyle is not really the women kept their hair short in the 40s for the war. Yeah, I think it's an old photo. I don't think it's 2017. I picture Leah being very, like, petite. Yeah. I don't know why. Did you agree with this? You only meet the love of your life once, and if you're fool enough not to recognize that sort of love and treasure it for what it will become, then you never deserved in the first place. Page 254. <laughs> yes, I do enjoy that quote. And if you're fool enough not to recognize it, then you never deserved it in the first place. And then I love how the uh, line right after that is, that sounds tragically romantic and then traumatic at any rate. If I had to describe one word for Marissa, it'd be tragically romantic. <laughs> Actually, it's not one word, that's two words, but you know, you, you get the gist. I really think you done you're romantic, and I think that's why you get sad about love. Yeah, I mean, I used to consider myself romantic, and then I feel like over the years, I've just become this realist i do like that quote and i don't know i mean that gives me very soulmate vibes and i don't really believe in soulmates because as i've become more of a realist i think any relationship can work if both people are willing to put the effort in and choose it continually like make the choice every day i think that's part of why i don't like the whole mating bond thing as we've discussed before i just i don't 
I don't believe there's just one person out there for everyone, but it doesn't mean I don't like reading about it or writing about it or believing it somewhere deep down inside. I do love soulmates. I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. I just feel like my person's out there and I will meet them. Mm -hmm. There will be a chain of reaction that lead me there. But how will you know? You and, just and know. I, your heart knows. Here's why I don't believe I it. I think that Leah and Gabriel were soulmates. <laughs> it was destiny that they met. I think they'll run their course in about six months and then break up in a fiery, Marissa, hot, angry no. discussion. <laughs> we will not accept that. Why does your heart jump to that? Why do you let them run up in the sunset? There's a reason that she called that art dealer, like, of all people, because she called him from, like, London. So he crossed countries to come to her in Paris. I actually don't know how far they are, but it was probably a plane ride. Like, there's probably a million art people in Paris. There's probably a million art people in London. She calls him. Also, because of the painting that she found that had his grandfather's name on it was also a reason. But, like, just the coincidence of it all. It was like her that's grandmother what... set her up in heaven to find him. And that's what's going to make their breakup even more tragic. <laughs> when you write a book, I'm scared of the ending. Like, I'm scared that you're just going to hurt me. We just have different takes of love and we'll just have to agree and disagree. In my head, Leah and Gabriel are getting married on his beautiful castle with his grandfather there in a wheelchair and his artwork surrounding them. And well, now she's a family who she can spend time with because her family doesn't spend time with her ever. And that's where my mind goes at the end of this book. And I don't want you to ruin it. Don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me your bad parts. I don't want to hear it. I think we both believe that their love is true. We just see their endings differently. <laughs> Why do you have to have Gabrielle and Leah break up? Seems to be well matched. You said they're both dramatic. I feel like they're both well versed. She pushes him to be better. He pushes her to be better. They both are good for each other, and they're both what each other needs. And like it was a kind of a theme where the men in his family are like dreamers and need wives to be like stable and steady, despite her traveling a lot. But like she's stable. Like she's a, she's an engineer. She's good with numbers. Like she's like she fit the mold that fits their family. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, agree to disagree. I will be attending Leah and Gabriel's wedding soon. <laughs> Do you think you could pull off what Estelle did? No. I am not as cool and calm and collected or sneaky or anything the way she is. I would be having panic attacks. I would be shutting my door and being so afraid. Like, there's just no way I could do what she did. I feel really bad for Estelle and for Aviva because they never got to meet afterwards. They're both alive afterwards and she goes to Switzerland every year to look for her and then she couldn't find her because they changed her name. That yeah. broke me because I just wanted to give each other a hug. But it's just I crazy mean, how it's... that stuff happened all over Europe after the war. Like there were so many families that were separated and it just it's just crazy to think about. It broke me too because when you think about it, Estelle promised Rachel that she would take care of Aviva and promised her that she would keep Aviva safe. And then instead of being able to rely on herself to fulfill that promise, she sent Aviva off to hopefully find a better life. And so Estelle could never know for sure whether Aviva found that better life or not and whether she'd kept her promise to Rachel. And I think that uncertainty would have just 
killed me inside. Like, how could I have slept at night not knowing? Leah described her grandmother as never leaving the house and never even wanting to play bingo with the people in the block. But, like, her grandmother sounded really depressed. Leah's like, we just kind of sat there and read. She didn't seem like a happy person, so I feel like it definitely was eating her alive. And, like, Leah said the only place she ever went was to Switzerland to look for Aviva, so. And, like, her true love, like, she got reunited with Jerome, but, like, then he died. At least they had a daughter who then had a granddaughter. And I don't think Estelle got a happy ending, to be honest. No, and Sophie didn't either. I was sad that Sophie died, but I just feel like her dying was very realistic to real life. If they both got out, it would have just been like, oh, this is another book. Yeah, another reason I guess I didn't care for Sophie's character was I didn't find her believable. I don't know much about spies during that time. I don't know if there were female spies but even if there were, I don't know if they were in the same capacity as Sophie was presented to us as this, like, kick-ass assassin-type woman who could, like, disarm a man. And she, I mean, she was awesome, but I didn't really find it believable until she died. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I find this believable. Because I just don't think with her recklessness, she would have made it out. She didn't seem like she was thinking, like she was, that's that's what's confusing. Her mind was very calculating, but I don't think it was calculating for the right reasons, like the long-term goal. Even in the scene where she takes Estelle hostage, I was like, is there any other way they could have made it out without her jumping to this? But she was just so quick to jump to that as the answer. I don't know. Sophie made me mad. Yeah, I just think she was so reckless. She was a smart girl, so like I feel like her actions were always just educated. She wasn't playing the the long game. She was playing the short game, and she just was act first, think later, and it killed her. I think she went into this mission and was like, I don't care if I live or die. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that probably adds to the recklessness. When you don't care if you live or die, you're considered fearless, reckless, you know? If you're not scared of death, you're not going to be cautious in your actions. I think that's really what stems from she wasn't scared if she lived or not because she'd be with her husband again. So at that point, besides her brother was dead and she was starting to lose hope in that as well. So I, Which, uh, that's another reason I'm mad at her. I feel like she gave up on her brother when he never gave up on her. Like, I get it. The love of her life died. Her whole family died. My will to live would be pretty low too. But I think she came from a family of fighters and she should have fought harder to be with her brother in the end. And it made me sad that her brother, you know, looked for her after the war, even though she was dead. What did you think of Estelle coming back to Sophie and her brother's home and William thinking she was a ghost? Like, I kind of would have rather, like, her be there, him being, like, pretty elusive enough where she just explains to him what happened. Yeah, because before we got to that scene, I feel like it was indicated by William that this ghost gave him hope that Sophie was alive. Then when that scene was playing out, I was like, okay, well, Estelle knows Sophie's been captured and is dead. She doesn't need to give William hope where there's no hope. Like, she didn't really in that scene. But the fact that William took hope from it it kind of makes me a little sad that she couldn't have just been like, hey, William, listen, she was captured. She's not coming back. Like, get on with your life. You can do it, buddy. 
She could have used the word she used, but she could also just be like, hey, your sister was this badass spy who sacrificed herself for the country, but she did get captured and died. But you had to keep fighting because she fought for you and like, don't die in your misery. Why couldn't you just been like a little more clear? She could have just told the housekeeper or like yeah. anybody at that estate. She'd be like, oh, hey, by the way, Sophie was a spy. So if you get another letter from someone named Sophie with someone else's last name, like maybe just open it. Yeah, like they kept that letter all that time, not knowing it was from Sophie. I would have been so mad if I was her grandfather and my housekeeper just kept this letter. I just feel like I would open it, even if it wasn't the same last name. Because it's like weird times, like World War Two, and people are all over the place, like all scattered. I would have been mad. I've been like, are you kidding me? This has been upstairs in the attic for 75 years. And I didn't know my sister was <laughs> actually dead. I looked for years for nothing. But I think they said that it brought Gabriel's grandfather and grandmother together. And it gave him a will to live. So I guess it's a good thing that Estelle didn't outright tell him that she was dead. Again, everything has a reason. I usually don't love historical fiction books. I didn't mind Atomic Love when we read it, but I didn't love it. I liked Um, this one way better than Atomic Love. Atomic Love, I mean, you know, if you don't know, go listen to our episode on Atomic Love. Did not sit well with me. But this one, I, I really did enjoy this one. Confusing at first, slow build, but once you're in it, it was hard to put down. Yeah, I like this one better than that one as well. I'm not against the genre as I was. I'd read another book yeah. in a little bit. In a little bit. Yeah. This genre to me really is not my thing. Um, I've read only probably four historical fiction books in my life, including Atomic Love and this. They're just not my style. It's just not the style I would want to read. But as you all know, I'm a big proponent of good writing, and I thought this book was written very well. I think so, too. It was well written, and it was really informative. Like, I learned a lot. She stayed accurate with the dates. Like, the dates I looked up online compared to, like, what was going on in the book were, like, very much aligned. What does this author do beforehand that, like, makes her so knowledgeable of history? Oh, she actually has her Bachelor's of Science and her Master's in Veterinarian Studies. And then she worked in research scientist until she realized she wants to be a writer. Wow, that's pretty interesting. I love when people do second chance careers. Um, there's actually <laughs> questions at the back of the book. Was Leo right or wrong to display Gabriel's art in the exhibit without him knowing? What do you think convinced Gabriel to finally claim his work as his own? Oh, okay, she was wrong for doing it, but what convinced him to display it was Sophie's letter. Boom, next question. <laughs> I think it was his friend being there. The dancer. Yeah. I think she helped sway him, too. Maybe. I didn't think yeah. that part needed to be in it. Yeah. Like, I oh. would have loved more Gabriel and Leah take than about this, some random couple that's like, dances and... Yeah. So, speaking of random characters, Mrs. Hoffman was random and unnecessary. I thought Mrs. Hoffman, Leah's neighbor, when she moves in with all the dogs and she's really bitter, I thought that was Aviva the entire book because <laughs> Aviva loved dogs growing up. Mrs. Hoffman was like, I've lived in this apartment my whole life. And I was like, oh, what if Aviva found her way back someday and got all the dogs and moved into the apartment? And I was like, I was convinced. I made a note of it. I was like, Mrs. Hoffman is Aviva. And then um, Mrs. Hoffman was not Aviva. <laughs> Didn't I still have an issue with her neighbor, though, too? After the her Jewish neighbors were taken, wasn't there, like, a mean neighbor who was, like, going to report her to the Nazis? Yeah. Um, she had, like, some pompous French woman who was very elitist and, yeah. 
I wonder if, like, it was her daughter. Because she said that she has been there since, like, I think 1942. And that was, like, right after those people were taken. So it would, like, line up that, like, Estelle's nasty neighbor was also Leah's nasty neighbor. (laughs) Maybe they just both both have nasty neighbors. But, yeah, I wish that had more, like, importance there. I'm glad we met Aviva at the art show, at least. And, like, Aviva wasn't nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and I thought it was cute how Leah had the matching pendant with Aviva. Yes, I like that, too. And I wanted Aviva to take the dancers with her. Yeah, I was kind of sad that she left them. Like, I get it. She wants to leave them so everyone else can, you know, see them and appreciate their beauty and feel the good things she felt when she looked at them. But those were hers, and those were the only piece of her mother she really had. Or aunt, I guess. I don't, I, we don't know much about her mother except she was kind of depressed. Yeah. yeah. I think all that artwork was actually her family's. I think most of it was because when Estelle goes over to Rachel's apartment and is speaking to rachel's father she says i need your help with something and he's like does this have something to do with the art you've hidden for us in your apartment and i was like oh so it's a lot of their art yeah i think it was a lot of their art so also like her grandmother could have left her a note (laughs) her grandma really was not helpful at all (laughs) to anybody her grandmother didn't help out William be like, hey, by the way, your sister's dead, but she was a war hero. None of that. She just sends him on a goose chase to a girl that's literally not there. And then to her granddaughter just leaves her an empty apartment that has Nazi propaganda, lots of artwork, lots of furs and dresses. Not even a note that says like, hey, maybe check the back of the wardrobe, honey. Nothing. Nothing. I kind of want to be a cell. I want to leave people on a wild goose chase. They'll never forget me. That is true. She will live in infamy. You realize if it weren't for Gabriel, Leah probably would not have discovered the back of her wardrobe and also a wall that was fake or something where they found more artwork. But that was all because of Gabriel. Without Gabriel, she would have hated her grandmother forever. (laughs) She would have thought her grandma was a pro-Nazi the entire time. She would have changed her last name, moved across the country, something crazy. So thank God for Gabriel. I don't think I could have gone to the Ritz and, like, pretended to like them. Yeah, so when Sophie and Estelle are trying to take pictures of the equipment for their secret mission, and Sophie goes down to take the pictures, and Estelle is like, I'll stay here and cover. I, like, if that were you and me, I'd be like, Kayla, we are not leaving each other's sides. Like, I am not staying here once you go down there. Like, I couldn't have done it. What they did, I could not have done. I was confused of how Sophie got out of the closet and ended up on the other side of the room. I don't know either. I, Cause I think Estelle led the Nazis into the other room. Cause she was like, let's check in this other room and like led them away. Uh, and so I think that's when Sophie came out. But honestly, Estelle didn't know Sophie could hear her. Like Estelle didn't know Sophie was on the other side of the door. So that was risky. Yeah. The whole part made me nervous. The whole book made yeah. me nervous. Maybe, and maybe that's why I like the Estelle scenes, because as I told you last week or two weeks ago, I was like, oh, thrillers, I like the feeling of, 
you know, being nervous, being on the edge of my seat, that kind of adrenaline. And so I did really like Estelle's scenes. We're very different readers. It's really funny we have a podcast together. I mean, we like some books the same. Yeah, no, we also have different reading styles. I was Because I was thinking about that with this book, where I get so absorbed in the details. Actually, I think about this with every book we do, because I get so absorbed in the details and am very just, you know, detail-oriented. And that changes my reading dynamic as compared to you, where you can, like, sit down and read a book in one breath. And I'm like, Kayla, how did you, like, how did you take it all in? But you're just there for the experience, and you live the, you live the life, and you don't question every little detail. So we just read differently, too. And I wonder if, if we experience it differently in oh, our we hearts. definitely do. But we get each other's hearts. Get yeah. the way you feel. Uh, that's why sometimes I read quotes and I'm like, oh, Marissa's going to love this quote. And I think yeah. you read quotes that like describe me too and you, you, we get each other, but we definitely, we know we have different hearts. We do, we do. So what do you rate this book? Um, It's a four out of five for me. It was a good book. I give it a 3.7 out of five for me. I guess thanks for listening. Um, let us know if you, what you think about this book as well. What are your favorite historical fiction book? Give us a recommendation. So maybe we actually do like the job or just reading the wrong books. But next week we're going to go back into fantasy. We're going to read Third of Glass and then we're going to read Six of Crows. And then after that we're going into a mystery and then a romance. So we're, we're trying to get all types of genre with this season. So hold tight. Thanks for listening. This is Kayla. And Marissa. Have a good day. And make sure to follow us at Book Talks Podcast on Instagram.